Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Out of the Question podcast. You know, one of the benefits of doing this podcast is that I get a lot of recommendations from people saying, you should interview this person or you should read this book. And to be honest with you, uh, not everything that's suggested to me is of immediate interest. But it was Calcedon's president, Mark Rush Juni, that said, you know, there's a new book by Jane Raymond, and it's entitled Art, A Biblical Definition and Purpose. And my first reaction was, okay, I mean, is that going to be of interest to a lot of people? And I realized that what it demonstrated was that I didn't really have a biblical view of art. Now, you might say, well, you know, you've been involved with Calcedon for a long time. You must have a biblical view of everything. Well, sometimes you think you do until you start thinking about it. So I have the book. I read the book. And today I have with me the author of the book, Jane Raymond, who's going to maybe challenge us all a bit in terms of things we fail to think about in terms of art from a biblical perspective, and maybe things we've added in that we say, well, yeah, this is consistent with scripture, but maybe not so much. So Jane, thanks for joining me. Uh, Thank you for having me. Very, very much appreciated. All right. So I'm going to start with a little story. Years ago, um, I got with my daughter a private tour of the de Young Museum. My husband had sold a car to someone who was a docent. And she said, oh, I would love to take your wife and daughter around for an individual tour. And so we got to the museum and it had been a long time since I'd been to a museum. And at first you see a lot of the classical paintings and it was really quite impressive and awesome. But I was approaching it from the point of view of I like this or I don't like that so much or this is pretty, this is not. And then we got to the modern art part of the museum, which made me laugh because, you know, you had pieces of moldy bread in a frame. You had uh, art that looked like the shower curtains that I would never buy at Target. (laughs) And I made the comment about, oh, that looks like a shower curtain. And I thoroughly thoroughly insulted this docent. Our tour was quickly over. I actually thought she would think that was funny, but apparently she did not. And I really hadn't thought much about this until, as I said, I read this book. So Jane, start off with why you thought this book was important to write. Well, very much like yourself. uh, I also was cringing at some of the modern art that I saw in my younger years while I was studying it. And um, I had always been an art enthusiast, and I always thought I would love it. But there was something inside of me that said, is this really art? And probably like yourself, we're all afraid to say this is awful. Well, actually, no, you were very brave to do that. <laughs> I think that was great. But um most of us are kind of skeptical to say our opinions because we think we aren't artists. So what do we know? You know, but there's this something inside of us that says something is wrong here. So uh, anyway, as I, as I went through my uh, 
education years, my, my uh, secondary and so forth, I focused in on graphic arts, which probably is the side that is less respected, if that's such a thing as fine arts, because it's the commercial end of it. You try to sell things that maybe people don't need. You're trying to make graphic art that is appealing for people to take interest and then maybe buy a product. And so as I became, later on in my years, when I became uh, born again and tried to home educate my children as I was doing that, and my passion for art, I was wondering, is this really important? Because it's so polluted. The world of art was so polluted, especially in the 70s. All kinds of things were being experimented with. You know, uh, I went into a museum sometime around that time in the 70s and saw, instead of um, what you witnessed, I had seen old chairs hanging on walls and just stuck off the walls in a museum in Manhattan. And they were they were counting this as art and I thought this can't be. And so I kind of played it down with my own children when I was teaching them. So as I was uh, reading the Bible, writing the Bible, having my devotions and so forth, it really was bothering me that since God owns everything, he's got to own the arts. He created everything. And so I was, I went on a quest to try and find out what does the Bible say about art? And um a kind of funny story, I I uh, said, well, let me start with the word art. So I looked up the word art, very basic, very simple. Mm-hmm. And I said, I saw, wow, 400 and something times in the Bible, this word is used. And so I thought, wow, how did I miss this? So I looked up the first verse and there it was, Adam, where art thou? <laughs> so I realized, well, I have a long way to go here. So I did start to look into this uh, word as much as I could. It isn't as plain to find and simple to find, but I realized over time that this word was translated so many different ways, uh, and also as the word art, as is explained in the in the book. But yeah, I I started to realize yes, God does have a purpose for it, and God is incredibly. Um, diverse with it as well he's not as pinpointed as a secular artist may view a christian's perspective on art he's very wonderfully creative you know he created everything but how do we as christians use art and be artists in this sinful world was an interesting thing to me so this is what i'm trying to share in the book Okay. And, and I'm, I gotta say that you went in areas that I expected. And then you also went in areas. I'm like, whoa, I just learned something here, which is, I guess, as an author, what you want your reader to come away with. But let's talk about this idea of art. You know, um, Calcedon, Rushduni coming from a Vantillian perspective originally would say things like there is no neutrality. And yet I discovered that I was challenged a bit by saying, well, okay, there's art and then there's, you know, secular art and then there's sacred art. But as I went through the book, I realized I haven't really defined it. So since the subtitle um, is a biblical definition and purpose, start off with 
how you say that the Bible defines art or how we as believers should get our definition from God? Well, the, um, you know, when we define any word, first we'll look up the definition, that clinical, sort of that clinical definition. And then from there, we'll see how the word is used. And then hopefully we have examples of that. So that's pretty much the approach I used with this. The first time that the word art is used in a creative way was in um, Exodus when, when dealing with the tabernacle, uh, which is uh, the term art of the apothecary. So, so I thought, well, that's interesting. So what does this word mean? And as I searched out that particular word, and I know I'm probably um, uh, mispronouncing the exact uh, definition of uh, the exact pronunciation of measa or measa, um, but it, it was used in so many diverse ways that it started to extend my even my definition of art you know the secularists they tend to think art is very trunk um truncated when they think of christians and really when god uses this same word to refer to you know the weaver the carpenter the woodmaker and i started to realize all of these attributes are creative in some way it is taking tools that god has given us and then putting them to use in a creative way that would be useful to our fellow beings, our fellow um, neighbors, and the world at large, as well as saying something. I, I have discovered uh, through the um, research that art is really a strong messaging tool. The... Um, the verse that really stuck with me was in Psalm 119, where the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth his handiwork. And that word handiwork is also art. And probably around that time that I discovered that word used in that way, that God's art is throughout the heavens, uh, was around the same time that I remember reading a quote from a secular art courier curator, I should say, not curator, uh, who said, um, well, art is a two-dimensional form on a canvas. That's how truncated that person had seen art. And I thought, wow, it's so much bigger than that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So as I studied this more, I realized that God is, it, art is one of those subjects that touches on our creative side. And creative creativity is very um, subjective. It's very personal. It's very freeing, I guess. And so I thought, well, is this safe? That's probably why people, uh, Christians, um, kind of hold back a little bit because art can uh, touch on that emotion. And it causes us maybe to go into areas we may not have done before we're not as you know protected or, or however we wanted to find that and so it is a little scary but without god's guidance yes one can become quite overtaken by that emotional side of the arts and forget really what their calling is so this is this 
hopefully will uh, this book hopefully explains that in many ways to the Christian and how to protect yourself from the wiles of the world and what they view art as. Art is basically anything goes in this world. but Right. Is- and I'd like to comment on that because yeah. what I think happens to a lot of people is they'll look at a sculpture, sculpture, they'll look at um, a painting They'll even go to a restaurant and this is a fine restaurant as opposed to, and they basically say, my impressions don't count. An expert needs to tell me if this is good food or not, if this is good art or not. Um, And so we've sort of given up an area of using our own senses to make sense of what we're eating, what we're smelling, what we're, we're looking at. And you make the point that art can encompass all these things. So a, a fine baker is an artisan, um, a fine paint, a painter is an artisan, but that the whole process is actually a transaction. Explain what you mean about that. Right, right. Well, in the definition of this word, I mean, let me try to get this say, um, it does use the word transaction. And I thought that was really interesting because a transaction is between people it's something that you give or take and so um this this is uh important because it kind of forces that creative person to engage with people they're not isolated uh their work isn't all about them you know and it's and that's a very important thing because i believe very strongly that's what we learn from Jesus is that he communicated, he worked, he, he went among the people. We are not to be isolated beings. And so many artists, whether in the visual arts world or the especially performing arts, they're very secluded and among themselves. And so that's an important thing where it is a transaction. We do something for something or for someone else or for some kind of purpose. So yes, I answer your question. <laughs> Yes. So if that's the case, then we have to say is what we're transacting or what we're receiving of value. Is it good? Is it pure? And again, these things have to be defined by God. Otherwise, we're, you know, all relativists that good is what I say it is, bad is what I say it is. And I I got to thinking of probably a famous modern artist, Jason Pollock. And I remember seeing a a film about him. And really what he did is he threw paint, it appears, on a canvas and could sell it for um, a lot of money. And as a matter of fact, the Babylon Bee did a spoof on that just recently that somebody went into a gallery and vandalized a Jason Pollock piece of art, but nobody could tell because it looked (laughs) just like whatever he'd produced previously. So... Does art have a requirement or is it inescapable that art will communicate something? Well, you know, the first thing it communicates is about the artist himself, right? Because um, even throughout nature, when we see God's art, certainly his majesty is communicated through so many things, his creativity with the colors and, and his, uh, you know, all of that is just wonder to us. So when we see an art, piece whatever it might be 
Yeah, the first thing that it does is tell us something about the artist. So uh, that I guess that would be the surface communication. We look at it, we say, okay, what is this? Uh, what is he trying? And then the second thing would be, what is he trying to say? Um, it's interesting that the artist you point out, you know, the first thing I saw too, even way back when I started to see that work, I thought, oh my word, this is something a five-year-old can do. And, but the reason why I think these people become so famous, part of it is they know someone who's got lots of money. They know someone in the industry, someone that will put their work up no matter how wacky it is. And somehow their name gets out there and it's really name recognition and all that promotion, I hate to say, through the commercial arts, which I used to do, um, that really pushes this person and then it sort of becomes a fad. Um, but certainly a piece of work like that, to me, uh, was chaotic and uh, without any real direction. And so when I read about his life, that's exactly what it was. He yes. Was yeah. Very sadly, very chaotic sad, depressed person, and he, he died that way too. So it was just uh, a reflection of of the artist. And what it does for mankind, well, I guess that kind of message, <laughs> we see the world now. I mean, these, these kinds of artists just brought this stuff into the world. And in many ways, art, it either defines the world or it guides the world. It, it it's depending on, you know, how people respond to it, but it certainly didn't, in my opinion, add much good to the world. Um, but it's, so, but so it's like a reflection. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard the expression that culture is religion externalized. And so you'll know a lot about a culture and, and its religious underpinnings based on what's considered good, what's considered, um, you know, amateurish and what is worthy of thousands and thousands of dollars to purchase. Right. And so that's where I think we need to get back to when we look at God's handiwork, we get a, we get an understanding of who he is and right. that there's order in the world. And in modern art, there isn't order. As you put it, there's chaos. And, and another thing about the uh, abstract. Now I'm not against abstract art. Um, I think that um we see that in the in the created world i uh, you know when you look at the clouds let's say or um you know water or colors in the water or even uh, in designs in in insects their shells the, the fish on their scales i mean we see color blended and used in such beautiful ways um without actual shaped forms that's that's basically what abstractionism is but it's been used in such weird ways like for instance you might see a something you cannot recognize at all and then the artist will put a a title on it you know women with a baby or something like that so (laughs) right there is a big red flag because now what they're doing is redefining things that we know that's not a woman with a baby you know but but abstract art we see all over we see it in the in the uh in the heavens uh it was wonderful when the hubble spacecraft for instance brought back such beautiful images i mean that's just it was just incredible and so but why is it there just to show that glory to show that wonder we wonder about the colors we wonder about 
the bigness of, of the skies and the heavens. So it still says something about the artist, but is it for good or is it for evil? That's right. And that's where we're back to biblical definitions and the fact that anything man does is derivative. In other words, the scripture tells us there really is nothing new under the sun. So Mm -hmm. the artist is imitating something and either doing it for the glory of God or to establish him or herself as God deciding what's good and evil. So speak a little bit about um, why you think that the attitude towards Christian art, and I think of, you know, Christian bookstore art, which most people, I think, um, rightly sort of at times belittles or jokes about. Most Mm -hmm. of the time it's realistic. In other words, it's not paint on a, a canvas in a random way. But what do you think Christian art has been reduced to that you think is way too limiting? Yeah, I, I, I think that many times when people in general think Christian art, um, they think Bible stories only, um, you know, uh, pictures. I, I don't, I, I, shy away from pictures of jesus i think that's very um you know questionable but uh that's what they think of when they think of christian art um you know something to do specifically with the bible and but we know that god owns everything he owns the family he owns pictures and he owns uh, life and you know the animals and there's so many other things if we just had uh paintings or illustrations done just of nature of scenic i mean all these things are also christian art so the term is probably a more a more clear way would be uh artwork by christians you know but when we think christian art we have been truncated because uh, i think it started you know even during sadly i i guess uh you read um with the um Reformation, sadly, I don't think it was intended that way, but they were at that time, you know, the Roman Catholic Church had so polluted the arts in a way where they were idolizing it and worshiping it. And so when the Reformation came, you know, they didn't want to see anything because they were afraid that it would become idolatrous. So, so, um, there was this void, a lot of, uh, reforming, uh, Reformation artists did not, well, they didn't want to do too much art. They might have done it more personally, but it took a while before they started to actually get that out there. That's why I'm so fond of Albert Durer at the time, because through his work, you can see how he transformed from a, a Roman Catholic to a reformer. And then his artwork also reflected that. And um, it's interesting how he went from the halos and the you know, the Virgin Mary pictures and then to more everyday people, he would paint the peasants and the, you know, just a life to, to get that out there. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's, that was part of the problem is that we truncate, uh, artwork by Christians as to only depict, um, stories from the Bible as, as opposed to stories all throughout creation, all throughout the world 
about life, which is Jesus, you know, is life. So, um, yeah, I think it could be a lot more diverse than it is. Right. Now, wasn't he the artist who has the famous picture of the blind leading the blind going into a ditch? I I believe so, but he's very known for his praying hands. Oh, okay. Okay, you must have seen that. They make all kind of kitsch things, you know, they'll do uh, you know, necklaces and and uh, you know, marble, not marble, uh, little uh, beaded things. You can find those praying hands, which is incredible because even those praying hands he had sketched of I believe it was his mother. And um it was just one of his sketches. It wasn't even a painting and uh, you know, it was preserved and, and copied in so many different ways. But look how long ago that was. That was, you know, he was in in the 1700s or early just when Martin, uh, I'm sorry, 1500s when Martin Luther did his thesis. I mean, that's how long ago this artist lived. And yet he was such an impact. But he was a great example of what art could be used to glorify God. And you mentioned something about the art that had halos and and descriptions like that. So we're going to know that's the holy person. That one's not the holy person. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, there's a lot of pietism that um, we see in the church today. And I think in a lot of ways, it might be more comfortable with seeing art depicted that way than art that would show, for example, the wages of sin is death. See, that would be a very powerful piece of art, even though it's not a depiction of a Bible story or a Bible character. But if you could communicate that truth, then you can impact the person who's looking at it. Right. And even if, you know, when we think of art as whatever is good, whatever is true and those sort of things, um, certainly truth could be something that's not so happy. Right. Right. we we know that there's bad things in the world, and I don't want um, people to think that art made by Christians has to always be happy and and great because it's not. We don't we live in a fallen world, but it, wouldn't it be wonderful for artists to somehow, if they have to depict some sad thing or some uh, uncomfortable thing, that we have a little bit of hope in that piece of work? I know that there are secular uh, artists that are in pain. They don't. They don't have Christ, right? So they may be reflecting things of their own lives or what they've seen and have no hope in that. And and that's sad because if they did have that hope, maybe they would have that little glimmer of hope portrayed in their work, which then could benefit others as well. Yes. So if we're supposed to think God's thoughts after him, then we say, okay, as creatures, we're going to do our best to depict what God has revealed. And unfortunately, in today's world, bad taste, vulgarity, profanity, mm. insanity are all enthroned as art. So if somebody is distressed or suicidal or angry, instead of having that be something that's instructive as to why one should turn to Christ, it just becomes sort of sharing the misery and communicating something that in many cases, I don't know about you, but can leave you quite depressed even viewing it. Yes. It's, it's really detrimental. I mean, we're, we're here to be lights in the world. We have to bring truth, but we have to bring light. And I think that 
art is so important. You know, I, when I, a long time ago, as I was searching to see, well, what's so important about art? Maybe half my life was just a waste of time. I realized, um, t- I could see very clearly how all the subjects that we teach, whether it's history to our children, whether it's history or science, some, every one of them, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree with me with this, but shows or displays some quality or aspect of God. Like history would be his providence, right? Science would be that created order, math, the logic and the intricacies and the infinite, infinite nature of God. So I, and of course, writing and words, he is the word, right? So what does art have to do? And I always saw that as the beauty and the peace of God. When you, then, you know, you have the different, the different aspects of art, like you have the arts, you have music, you have performing arts, you have the visual arts. They're all such joyful parts of God that, that brings out, it relaxes us. I always thought that the arts is the part of our education in this world that brings us closer in that emotional connection with God. If, if, you know, we're always very, we, we try to learn and our brains are going and sometimes my brain, I, literally, maybe it's because I have this art side to me that, but we all do, you know, but maybe because it's more of a passion for me, I always, as I'm learning and reading books about the Lord and the history and all that, my brain kind of gets to a point where it's fried. And then I say, well, I got to just sketch or I just have to listen to some music, you know, and it kind of gives you that peace and that time to ponder and just meditate and i really believe that that's one of the reasons why art is so important um and and it's usually the first thing that's taken away in the education system uh you know they're training us to be almost like little robots now uh, without that touch of our sensitivities to be allowed to um to go you know just to grow yes yes So as a writer myself, and I have been tasked at times to teach classes in writings, I taught my own children how to write, and I've, you know, tutored. The idea is that as a writer, and I would always impress upon those I worked with, you sort of become the god of your story. And so the question is, is your story going to reflect God as he is? or God as you want him to be, which of course, go back to Genesis 3, 5, and that is the sin of the Garden of Eden, defining for ourselves what's good and what's evil. Do you think the same thing is true as you endeavor to produce art, that God has to be present, at least in your mind, in terms of making sure that whatever you depict is consistent with the nature and character of God? I do. I, and, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be even, um, conscious. So if you're looking at a tree and you want to paint a tree and you think it's just beautiful and you just copy that tree and you make it as colorful as you, as you see it and, and so forth, you may not be saying consciously, God, well, probably a Christian would be doing that, right? God, God, you're so magnificent. This is such a beautiful thing. But if you wouldn't, if you didn't really know the Lord yet, and you're saying, this is wonderful, and you're able to depict that and then put it in front of someone who also may not know the Lord, 
And they say, that's really pretty. And it brings them in touch with something that they probably don't even notice on a day-to-day basis. You know, they're going to work, they're going shopping, they're raising their kids, they're trying to make ends meet. And they miss, they miss that beauty. And I really believe that it's that beauty that keeps us connected to the simplicities of, of life and to the beauty of God. Um, and, and I think even it, through non-Christian artists, because God can use anyone he wants, they, there are many non-Christians that have incredible workmanship, incredible talent. Um, but their subjects may be really off or maybe they do something once that's great. Um, I think that that shows, uh, you know, that they too were created in the image of God and that God could use them as well. But I think they're missing something incredibly wonderful without being aware that it's God that actually moved them to do something. So right. So it's almost like they miss the fact that their talents, their gifts, their ability to see what maybe other people can't mm-hmm. is a gift from God. And so without even understanding where that came from, it limits them in a way they're probably not even aware of until such time as maybe someone actually shares the truth of God's kingdom and says, no, anything you have comes from God. And once you understand that, you're much freer to express yourself in praise and thanksgiving. I, I, I yes, I definitely believe that. And, 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 you know, it's, um, depending on how people are raised to, and they've got a different experiences, right? So you have, uh, sadly, maybe, uh, someone who's raised in a non-Christian home. Maybe they've got a lot of turmoil in their lives and that's what they would probably depict. But I think that, uh, the language of art can also soften somebody's view of the world. And maybe kind of be a little open door to say, let me investigate this subject more. Maybe it would be a trees or, you know, animals or plants or whatever. And it starts to open up a whole new world. I mean, how many scientists as they study science and, and get into the designs of things created have, have nothing else to say, but yes, there has to be a master designer here. Right. So it could be a doorway. Exactly. And you know what I was thinking of? What is one of the things that people do when they go visit other people or someone is sick? They bring flowers. They're actually bringing God's creation and lightening up or brightening up a room. And so when the artist captures that on canvas, he's not doing secular work. He's doing godly work in as much as he's reflecting the glory of God. And he may not even know it. Right. Right. So, to God be the glory. Right. right. Um, yeah. They still need God. Right. We need, exactly. <laughs> whether they know it or not. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I go back to one of Paul's epistles where he says what we should think about, what we should consider. And it's, we should consider that which is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and worthy of praise. And so it seems to me that anyone from the time they're a child and you tell them to draw something or they discover they have talent and they want to use it for commercial purposes, which Jane, I don't think is wrong, depending (laughs) on what you're trying to promote, but whether you're just doing it for your own satisfaction or, you know, to de-stress your life, those are the governing principles 
which not only should govern art, but should be governing what we watch, what we listen to, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's a good example of how the emotion uh, draws us to one thing or another. You know, we're always battling our sin natures. And so, and so, you know, you may like that, you know, devious murder mystery. And I, meanwhile, I, you know, my eyeballs, I can't, I can't even, it just gives me nightmares. So I don't do those things at all, but someone it may not affect at all. But as far as a Christian to portray things, it's it's really important to keep all that in perspective. You know, the, the, that list is, uh, each one of those words means something unique in that list, true and honest, just, and so forth. And with respect to the arts, um, you know, even if we as fallen human beings can reflect part of that list or one of the, that list, I think it could be used of of God to do great things. And if we just stay on the track and stop uh falling prey to what you know what's gonna make us known and what's gonna make us money or or you know our work be loved, you know, as long as God is pleased, that's what we need to remember. And we will be fulfilled in our hearts by doing that too if we're walking with his uh in his with jesus in him right so yeah and and that's all that matters in the end i mean all this stuff is gonna you know burn one day and we you know it's only the beauty that we can leave behind to help others see that right it's funny that you should say that back in the day when my youngest was still living at home Mm -hmm. um, you know god blessed her with a beautiful voice and i encouraged her singing and got her good training so that um, her, her vocal qualities would be able to be developed, right? Because mm-hmm. we're supposed to pursue excellence. And so mm-hmm. where would, we, you know, where do you take a 10, 13 year old person to perform? Well, you know, she would sing at church, but we would go either to fire stations or retirement homes. And, you know, we had this little karaoke box so I could have a performance track and she would sing. Mm-hmm. Well, Jane, this is what people would say. Oh, you're wonderful. You should go on American Idol. Oh, you could be on Broadway. And I, I would always like to say, excuse me, um, we're Christians. We're not going to go on American Idol. Thank you very much. But they didn't think it was valuable just for them. I said, no, you see, it's valuable what she's doing because you're enjoying it that we tend to have a dollar sign that says, oh, you're good. Therefore, you could be famous. Therefore, you could make money as if making uh, a number of senior citizens feel better wasn't good enough. No, no. And that's the real big temptation in this world. We, the, the, and I, I really, I can understand totally why artists um, have kind of um, avoided the, the art world because there isn't a, really a good parallel economy, so to speak, or a parallel um art world uh by the christian community we we just you know sit back and kind of get involved with what's there and it's really ruined so many wonderfully intended artists and they just they fall prey to that i mean the the temptation is is very great it plays on our emotions oh it's a wonderful thing when your work whatever it is is liked by others right but what a what a power play it is when it's like by thousands of others, you know. 
And so, yeah, that that's something that we really need to work on as a Christian community in in, in our world, uh, so that we don't have to feel that they that we need them, you know, to to be uh, effective and worthy. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And the, the money's ridiculous, and and it, it's just very palatable for for a secular uh, world. Because the secular world, in order to justify its value, has to have a high monetary value, lots of people. You know, let's take this podcast. I know that there are people who appreciate the podcast, and I'm grateful for that. But is it enough that hundreds of people value it, or would it be more valuable if millions of people valued it? In other words, we lose sight of the fact that if we're doing God's work, and he wants one, two, three, four people to value it. Or how about this? Uh, you know, um, people don't value it while you're alive. And then, you know, a hundred <laughs> years later, somebody says, wow, this was, this really communicates to me. So, so God knows his outcomes and we should be more concerned with being obedient to the gifts and talents rather than be concerned about the audience. Absolutely. And all through scripture, we see that, right? So many of the prophets were they rich men. (laughs) um, Sometimes they were all alone. I'm going through Jeremiah right now. It's pretty sad. (laughs) But um, yes, that's, that's the thing that, that I hope this book does is that if anything, it gives, it gives the creative Christian a, a strong biblical foundation to stand on when they do get tempted or they get into a situation where they have to make choices and is it worth it? And is this the direction? Is this a test from, from the Lord is, you know, all these kinds of things. And, you know, I I can't tell you how many times that, you know, in my life personally here and there where I had to make a choice here and there, not so much only with art, but other things. And I'm sure you can attest as well that afterwards you realize I'm so glad I did that or didn't do that. You know, God, I'm I'm so glad I made that right choice because you see the fruit later. It might, you might not even see the truth, the fruit, but you know, it's, it's right. And you're at peace with God. I think that's the end goal too. the, that peace with God. Um, You can't put a price on that. (laughs) Right. So it's not only um, what you could have achieved also sometimes going in the direction following the the leading of the spirit is what you avoided. Um, I know lots of um, people who were athletically gifted, but when the time came to pursue it on a professional level, they were wise enough to say, I don't want to go there because I see where that road ends. So their talent was valuable for the time they learned things. Maybe they gave others enjoyment watching them. But we have to really have a God perspective that says, let God be responsible for the outcome. Let's right. let us be responsible for doing things excellently. Right. Exactly. So, so, um, you know, recently we, we have this little thing, uh, gallery going up. And so, well, actually it's up. It's not finished though. But, um, so I had, a, a one of the local people walk in and, and, you know, we want to do, uh, a, a thematic thing one or two months in the year. And so right now it's just a little bit of different local artists. And, uh, my, my passion is calligraphy. So within the pictures I do, I'll have wording woven in there. It's not very 
latent there. It's just, you have to kind of look for it. And so, um, you know, this young, this man came in and was looking at one of the pictures and he's, and he's turning his head sideways. I knew he was reading it <laughs> and he's looking on his phone to see if that scripture was in there. And then he said, well, this is interesting. And, and we had a great conversation. I said, yeah, the Lord, yeah, the Lord talks about everything, doesn't he? And so he said he does. And, and it was just such a great natural way to open up the scriptures without, you know, preaching. People just, when they don't go to church, that's one of their biggest fears. They don't want to step in to a church and be, quote, preached at, you know, which is kind of, you know, twisted, but they don't. So how do you connect? Art is an incredible connecting tool. And I just hope and pray that uh, Christians that have any kind of create creative juices flowing and they want to get into something, but they don't know, you know, how to, how to be taught or where to start. This is a great reference and, you know, to, to help you, um, get your mind thinking properly and then go out there and be unafraid to say, this isn't art, this, or this isn't good, or this is good or, you know, and then use that in as their uh, ministry. Yes. So let me say a couple of things about the book, which Mm -hmm. I would recommend to homeschoolers or Christian educators in general, in terms of, teaching students who may not know or consider themselves artists things to look at and about. And maybe these are things, Jane, that appear in other books, but I haven't been to those books. So I'm going to remember that you introduced all these things together for me. You basically pointed out that in terms of visual art, there are things to consider like the source, the light source, the form, what values are there in the colors that are being um, depicted, the shapes, the textures, where, what perspective, what point of view is being um, assumed in terms of what's being done and, you know, the choice of colors and position. And I've discovered that as I went through this and I start looking at either people's photography or looking at some of the classics, having the appreciation to, yes, look at it in total, but then look at the individual thing. So yesterday I was at a an appointment and I was looking at this picture of a ballerina and I was up close with it. And I thought, now that's really interesting. I mean, after having read your book, that's really interesting how the artist used texture there on the ballerina's dress or how the the body and how her arms and her legs reflected um, her musculature and such. And I thought, wow, okay, I really have learned something from this book. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Well, the thing that was so, even for myself, as I was studying over the years, that that every art principle that we learn in school, and that's not a bad thing to go to a secular school to learn a technique. It's when they start teaching you uh, composition and trying to define your own style, you know, maybe different than their style that they're trying to force on you, but technique, how to use a pen and ink, how to use the paints, those kinds of things. All those principles are actually seen in nature and nothing comes from us without beginning with God, right? Yes. So all these art forms and the principles are found in nature and 
Yeah, we could see when someone uses all those principles perfectly, then it looks like what God did, right? Yes. But what we do in, in our world, we may not be so detailed in the texture, but we might be more uh, detailed in the color. And so that's not a bad thing. That's what's inspiring. That's how we're being inspired. But again, it goes back to motive and it goes back to uh, the message. And and um, But it's wonderful when you can see like you're doing and um, kind of be a little bit more. Uh, now you're an art critique. You can, you know, you can see it in what's bad. So. Right. And I think when you say you can be an art critic and and whatever, we all are critics, right? Mm-hmm. We we all judge things. The question is, do we know what we're talking about? I think <laughs> what your book helps us do is go beyond. I like that. I don't like that. As if that's the final um, description of something that's good or bad. And then if somebody who has lots of letters after their name and, and right. shows up on television says that's terrible. Ooh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should agree with that person. Right. No, you know, art and the fine arts in general are all about our senses, right? Our yeah. eyes, our ears. Um, you know, I suppose when we look at culinary art, what right. things taste like, or when you look at perfumes or oils and things like that, our sense of smell. And then, of course, when we're environments, even like the furniture we pick, somebody has depicted this and even made it comfortable or uncomfortable, right. that we're not supposed to deny our senses. What we need is our minds renewed so that we're not deceived through our senses. Yes, we, we have to know the why behind it, right? Yeah. And do, why do I like this? Why don't I like it? Is it playing on a wrong side of myself <laughs> or is it is it encouraging a, a good thing? And, you know, art, you know, is very subjective. You might you might like red. I like blue, that kind of thing. But that, there's your neutral part. <laughs> um, I It's not uh, color in itself is not bad. So that's not bad. So. When we within those within those art principles, within the texture, within the colors, within the value or, or the lighting and so forth, it's not wrong or right to have the lighting in a different area or a different color, that kind of thing. Because right. the basic the basic principle is good because God created it. But it is it is a good it, it is a powerful thing when you can know what's right and what's wrong. And the why you feel that way. That, right. That's true. So yeah, I hope, I hope this gives that confidence. You know, just on a, a one, one note I wanted to mention earlier is, you know, everyone loves, I, I would think the, the artwork of Norman Rockwell, right? So he, he too, he would make these beautiful depictions of family and, and just fun things in, in life and things like that. Well, he was, he was hated among the secular because it wasn't, um, it, it was, they called it not it's just an unrealistic thing about life, you know, but right. what's so ridiculous is, you know, you look at a, 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 a Picasso, a, a Picasso, is that realistic? You know? Well, right, and right. You see, Norman Rockwell depicted things they rejected. And so yeah. he couldn't, by definition, be good. He couldn't be good. Right. Yeah. And, and they really tried to play him down, but uh, he had a, he finally had a, a museum, uh, a personal one artist um, ex- exhibition, I think it was in mid-70s off the top of my head, I, I, exactly, I can't remember, but, uh, and it was so uh, 
played down by the media and it's old fashioned and this and that. And, and, you know, at that time you had the, the Pollocks coming out and, and, and all those people. And he, he ended up selling every one of his pictures. The, the people loved it. Yes. I think one or two pictures weren't sold and it was all because they needed to be reminded in the crazy, you know, that the war was going on. There were crazy things going on as uh, there always are, I guess. But um, he brought them back to a place that said, look, this is beauty. This is what we strive for. Whether we can achieve it or not, we reach for something better. And I think that the, the secular world hates that. So yes. but the people love him. And yes. so it was just a great example of just do what you know is right to do and the message to encourage people to get through this sinful world. All right. So there's a couple of things I want to cover before we wrap up. And that is some biblical insights I got as I was going through your book. You know, there are three primary colors. Oh, gee, three people, three persons of the Trinity. All other color derives from combinations of these colors. So I had the sense of, yes, it's derivative. Even color is derivative of the three basic colors that God has created. Right. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. yeah. And then the idea of whenever you look at a painting, you always need to figure out where the light source is, right? So that whether it's you see it in somebody's eye or you see that, you know, there's there's light coming from someplace. And of course, Jesus is the light of the world. And so you can't even escape from it. And it's one of those things that when you have this abstract splash the paint on, there is no obvious place of light. And I think that's part of what um, fallen man is trying to promote. There is no light. There is no light. But we know that there is light. Yeah, that's interesting. And you can't do a thing without light, not a thing, because then we'd have total blackness, right? So yeah. as soon as you paint a little swatch of white or any color onto that black, you've got light there. Right. The other thing is, and I'm not going to have you go into it too much because I would like people to read the book, right? But you you present <laughs> some guidelines in terms of art. And I'll just list the five that you point out. And listeners, you're going to have to get the book to find out greater development. But you said all art of whatever kind has purpose. It will communicate a worldview. Um, it will show some degree of moderation because you can't put everything into what it is you're trying to depict. It should have Christian character. And then there's this aspect of providence in terms of which ties it all together. But I, I just, I thought those were very useful in terms of being guidelines for anybody who pursues any of the arts. Right. Uh, I think that also um, it was Calvin, I believe in the book that I brought some thoughts that he helped with that as well. Um yeah, the providence is great. What is it going to leave? Or how does this show God's um, actions uh, and so forth? Now, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have narr narrative art too that tells some sort of story or, or, but even, it, even in replicating something that has inspired you, um, we learn so much, but it, it there is a, uh, a, um, respect that we have to have while we do the art 
that isn't just, if we're going to put it out there in the public, that's something that is done with care and consideration for the purpose and that moderation as you, and the Christian character, it all, it all should reflect in some way. Um, right. Exactly. Yes. I'm glad that's nice that you got that out of there. No, I did. I did. I, you know, and of course the book will now be of no value to anybody else because I marked it all up in terms (laughs) of (laughs) having, um, you know, to be able to have this discussion. But the last thing I'd like to focus on is your pilot project of this gallery. And I think more and more, whether it's churches or Christian businesses, they should adopt an idea that we are going to give artists who depict the kingdom message, however they do it, and give them places to highlight and showcase their art so that we can turn the tide from focusing on not what's ugly and profane and scary. You know, we're in October here. So, you know, all these horror movies are being promoted. No, we don't need to focus on that because man on his own, apart from God, will wallow in that, that we want to give outlets for people. And, you know, you have wall space in your church, you have wall space in your your business. Give an opportunity for artists who are really trying to glorify God in their work. And you you can be discerning. You don't have to say, okay, the stick man is not fine art. We're not going to put this up. But we might have a children's section or we might have something that gets people involved with each other. And um, I hope maybe your next book will be how to create uh, local Christian art galleries. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's, that would be a, a doozy because I'm still learning. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. That's why I said it's your next book. <laughs> I have, we've been, we only had it, I guess, open to the community for two days and already I'm, I'm, I'm not rethinking things, but I said, Oh, I didn't think about that one yet. And you know, there's the borderline artist. I guess I could label that where she has no idea what she's doing as far as God's acceptance, you know, but yet some of this stuff might, might, uh, be is, is acceptable to a point, but now how do I tell her all the rest of her stuff? <laughs> so, but I'm having some interesting conversations with, with that. And, um, but it's, it's, you know, years ago when I used to go a little more often to the art, um, museums, one of the things that struck me is that starkness. You know, you walk in, it's white and bright lights and modern lights and the whole building. There's a, a town down here near, I was about two hours away. It's, uh, in Roanoke and it's an old, beautiful little city and the mountains and, and, and it's, you drive there. And I remember going to this, new art museum they just put up and I'm picturing something that was going with the decor and the the feel of the area and it looked like a space station in the middle of these beautiful old brick buildings it it looked like a giant plane it was silver and pointed and I was like what is that I was almost afraid to walk into the place I just felt like it was cold and clinical because that's the way art museums have to be yes no it's not supposed to it's supposed to be inviting because immediately i'm thinking what about traditional people what about the older people what about young people that you want to teach is this the look that we're supposed to get the feel that we're supposed to give them so i you know walked in there high ceilings lots of glass windows and it just was very to me not warm so that's how i wanted to do this uh, little place it's you know it's an old building we 
we redid, we have the old wood floor there, we're doing um, the ceiling is original, and, and we have this warmth, old colonial kind of look. And um, yeah, so I'm not taking just quote unquote Christian artwork. I I would like to allow art from others. And if their work is um, taken, taken or rejected for some reason that will present conversations exactly uh, exactly on my on my website which i hope to get together soon um that will explain our philosophy and so i i look at this as a great um connector between the the church the faithful church and the community that will never set foot into a church you know or at least not originally and maybe as a result (laughs) Right. right Right. And, and there's, there's so many opportunities you can do with the arts in that way. So yeah. I, I exactly. Okay. The name of the book is art, a biblical definition and purpose. Its author is my guest, Jane Raymond. How do they get a hold of it? Well, they can uh, go on the new Geneva website, which links to it. I hope to have a website up in the next month, which oh, that's a long story, but anyway, um, so that website would be newgeneva.us. Can they get it on Amazon yet? No, it's not on Amazon. So the book that, uh, is, you can get it right there through our bookstore. Okay. And, and yeah, I hope to have, uh, I hope to have, uh, a, uh, separate, uh, website for that. And it is through Valker. I've heard that that the Valker ISBN uh, corporation there has it listed. So I don't know if librarians know about that, but, but okay. yeah, so you can go through the website and um, uh, also, I guess you can email me directly, but that's, I don't know if you want. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay, so. Otherwise people are going to email me and then I'm going to have to ask you. So <laughs> tell them how they can reach you if they want to have a conversation. Yeah, well, that's an easy email. It's just called art should matter, art should matter at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to direct you to the book and any conversation you might want to have. Well, very good. Well, listeners, I encourage you to get it. it. It's, you know, I like to cover a wide variety of topics because nothing is outside the jurisdiction and, and domain of Christ Jesus. And like I said, I learned a bunch and I think you will as well. Jane, thanks for taking the time to join with me today. Thank you. Thanks so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Very good. Listeners, as always, you want to reach me out of the question podcast at gmail.com. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to out of the question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.